0: Hello, you're listening to Delta Dispatches, and we're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Samoma Laws with Restore or Retreat.
1: And I'm Kristen Trotz with the Walton Family Foundation.
0: Not Jacques.
1: I'm not Jacques.
0: So is it true, yes or no, that you are never here when Jacques is here?
1: Let's just say you can't prove that Jacques and I have ever been in the same room at the same time.
0: <laughs> Thank you for joining me. Thanks I'm clearly me. a codependent radio person <laughs> <laughs> and could not go at this alone. Um, and let's be honest, I'm probably a little rusty because I haven't done this show in a couple of weeks. I just wanted and to be so here to see it. Jacques was like, sure you want to do it. Like, are you sure? Are you sure? I think, he d- I think he doubted that I could pull this off. So if we fail, we're failing together.
1: Jacques, I hope you're listening to us. Kill it all Jacques night
0: is absolutely not not listening to us. He's in San Francisco. I'm air quoting, air quoting the California office. Okay. Clearly. Yeah. He's going to come back with more swag. Yeah. Jacques living his best life. Nobody feels bad for Jacques. Okay. <laughs> so um, we, we want to talk about the, this week a little bit and the, the weekend ahead. It's Lots going on. Halloween in New Orleans. That's clearly why you're here. It's avid listener Chip clients birthday a yes. milestone birthday yes here. milestone birthday yes well we will not be celebrating that next week we'll skip that show <laughs> but have you ever been in halloween in new orleans i have it's and, a, and I, that's I, why I've you're lived. back that's Obviously, i'm back it's a highlight of course it's going to rain on voodoo and everything it's so. going to be pretty unfortunate for voodoo be a little sloppy um i'm thinking about our tnc friends i know and they're at atchafalias
1: they have a, a big uh, commemoration tomorrow the dedication of their Chaffalaya conservation center and I'm, I'm hoping the rain cooperates They've worked really hard to open that. I was
0: going to say, rain or not, it's going to be an amazing place, a good resource for them to Absolutely. use. To um, We were also talking about Avid Listener and so many others um, have been in D.C. all week. That's Apparently right. we you were not in D.C. I was not in D.C., but I was following Except for the with social game. media. Yeah. I, I did go
1: home for the, the baseball game of the century. Yes. We have a
0: big Nats fan with us. We, yeah. got, we got two
1: more wins. Yeah. Five more chances. Stole two more wins. the first two. It was they earned it. Yeah, they
0: earned it. They earned <laughs> it. Um, maybe at the end of the show you could teach me that little crazy dance they do in the oh, dugout. Yep, what yep, is that? The little,
1: well, there's several pieces to it, but uh, that one is pretending to and
0: start. And there in is a, car. a song. There is, the calma. Yep. Okay, so they start in a car like Teddy Bridgewater does the bike? That's it's similar. Very similar. Oh. Yeah, maybe, maybe we're gonna chop. We're gonna attire. tired. <laughs> we don't even know. Maybe we're we're gonna whole turn this coaster show into a dance baseball show. <laughs> I mean, could it get any weirder than that? <laughs> we do have some great events coming up this weekend um, that are family friendly. Wonderful. Not that New Orleans is. Um, but our good friends at Rugaroo are having their festival this weekend, October 26th and 27th, in downtown Homa. Jonathan has been on the show. South Louisiana Wetlands Discovery Center. They do amazing work in the classroom and in the community, and they're having their big festival this weekend, too. Also, CSED is having a family-friendly Halloween party on the 26th from 6 to 11.30 p.m. I don't stay out that late.
1: That's true. That's past my bedtime, but our friends Arthur and Happy yes. would be great fun.
0: Um, It's like reptiles or something. There's like creatures and
1: appropriate for Halloween. Yeah,
0: I I guess. Yeah. So good luck, Arthur (laughs) and happy with with the reptiles. But we have something so much more fun to talk about today. We're talking about money, money, money. Robbie Robbie just lifted his eyebrows. (laughs) (laughs) We are talking about the business of coastal restoration, the economics of coastal restoration. We are lucky to have um, two great partners and guests on the show. We're going to start with um, Dr. Robert Habens not Habans, it's Habans, Habans from the data center here in New Orleans, Uh, Robbie, can I call you Robbie? You may. Uh, Because I'm going to do it the whole show. (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) And so is Kristen. (laughs) Lean into Uh, it, Robbie. (laughs) But Dr. Robbie is the data center's economist, Um, Robbie, let's let's start with basics here. What is the data center and what kind of work do you do there?
2: The data center, we're an independent nonprofit organization. We're based in New Orleans and our mission is to democratize data and analysis on issues that are important to Southeast Louisiana. We've been around for about two decades. Uh, We have a great website, datacenterresearch.org. It has a lot of demographic data, economic data on New Orleans neighborhoods, metropolitan area parishes, and we also have a number of research reports, uh, some of which I think we're going to talk about today.
0: We better, if we get there. Um, OK, so Robbie, when you were little Robbie, and you were growing up, you grew up here in Louisiana, right? That's right. Grew up in New Orleans?
2: Uh, Metairie.
0: Metairie, yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I get that. I get that distinction. I don't know if our national, um, huge national audience would understand that distinction. I appreciate that, though, Robbie. He didn't say Metri. <laughs> Old match, right? Um Okay, Robbie. When you were little, Robbie, did did you just love numbers, or how how does little Robbie get to be an economist?
2: That's a good question. I'd and
0: not on the sheet. I'm I, sorry, I surprised you with that. No, I think. no,
2: that's all right. Um, so I think I got into it because I was always really interested in studying city and regions, and their economies are important to how uh, places develop, why some places are different from others, how decisions get made. So that's what kind of led me down the path of being the economist that I am today.
0: That's very cool. And you have like, uh, you've been all over the place, right? You're a metri, metri boy, <laughs> but you've been all over the place. You have degrees from other places in uh, California. Tell us a little bit about your background.
2: Yeah, I went to undergrad at the University of California, so I was out there for a few years. I moved back home right before Katrina, so that was an interesting few years to oh, live here. And then I ended up moving up to Chicago to do my PhD at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Uh, Went out and worked at UCLA for a couple years. Mm, Back to California. Back Mm -hmm. to California, and then back to Illinois. Oh, oh, Illinois, (laughs) Urbana-Champaign. Yeah. So I've, uh, I guess I've moved a lot, but only to three different states: California, (laughs) (laughs) Illinois, and Louisiana. And I've moved to each one of them twice.
0: Nice. All very different too. A
2: little bit. A little very bit.
0: different. Different seasons in each one. One has no seasons. That's right. <laughs> one is sunny all the summer all the time, right? Illinois, they they just have tragic seasons. That's I think true. it's just cold all the time. Just for I think a long... like 3 weeks in June that are lovely. 3 <laughs> glorious weeks. That's right. <laughs> um I, I keep stepping all over Kristen. You go ahead. Want you ask ask away. Ask away. Robbie, you mentioned that you
1: got interested in being economists because of how cities make decisions. Tell us about how your work is informing the kinds of decisions that are being made on the coast. Uh,
2: that's a great question. So um, the data center, like I said, we uh, try to do high impact research that has an audience. We're not a policy advocacy organization, but we try to make sure that our decision makers and our communities have uh, are armed with good data to make good decisions. And that's relevant to the coast um, because of our work in what we call the Coastal Index series of publications. Mm-hmm. This, is, uh, this series has been around since 2014, and our goal is really to explore uh, the ec- economic opportunities that are associated with coastal restoration and water management more generally. Um, I think we're all familiar with the challenges that are associated with that but it's also an opportunity to uh, create an inclusive workforce and position our regional economy to take advantage of all the investment that's underway
0: so what what are some of the um, we're gonna have to go to a break in a second but what what are the big trends like what are things really Robbie that have that stand out to you in some of those those reports and some of that data
2: well so with the most recent uh, publication, what we did was we looked at which industries are responding to, uh, I'm going to use an economist term here, to spending shocks that have occurred, one after Mm -hmm. the 2005 hurricanes and one after the 2010 um, Deepwater Horizon disaster. And uh, we really have seen remarkable growth in heavy civil construction industry that's most closely associated with coastal restoration. Uh, That industry alone accounts for about 10,000 jobs in Southeast Louisiana. It's doubled since 2004. And since the 2010 recession recovery period, that industry's grown very quickly at the national level. But one out of every six jobs that have been added in the United States has been right here in southeast Louisiana. Wow. So that was the main thing that jumped out to us with this analysis.
0: Yeah, you, you hear so much bad news, right? You know, And, and that's some interesting and, and possibly good news for us. Robbie, we still got so much more to talk about. We want you to stick with us through the break. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We'll be right back. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org slash Louisiana. Hi,
2: I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress. That has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity.
0: Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.RestoreOrRetreat.org. Welcome back to Delta Dispatches. I am not Jacques Hebert. Neither am I. <laughs> I'm Simone Laws with Restore Retreat.
1: I'm Kristen Trotz with the Walton Family Foundation.
0: And we're here every Thursday on 990 WGSO and online. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Wherever you find your podcasts. American Shoreline Podcast Network. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. Um, I, it is upon me. It is uh, contractually obligated that I hit the coastal stat of the week. Or Jacques will fire me. Um, in this week's coastal stat of the week from a report by Dr. Lauren Scott entitled The Economic Impact of Constructing the mid barataria and mid breton Sediment Diversion Projects, Short title, um, which we'll discuss later. That report showcases how local and state businesses, governments, and residents will benefit economically during the combined seven year period between 2021 and 2027. When these projects are built, he has a whole lot more. But I feel like that's that spoilers. <laughs> I feel like those are all spoilers. Um, I'm also um, contractually obligated um, to make sure that we ask a fun question. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna give that to you, Katie. Well, Robbie, I feel like our definition of fun questions are a little bit different.
1: <laughs> but since you acknowledge that this is fun for you, I'm gonna ask you: If you were an industry cluster, which would you be, and why?
2: Uh, That's a good question. I love industry clusters (laughs) because this is uh, how our economies get more innovative, and it's important to think about this stuff. So my answer to this question is that it's after 5 p.m. right now. Okay. I'm thinking the whiskey cluster. The whiskey cluster. Kentucky, Tennessee, that's where my mind is at right now.
0: We can get behind that. So we generally don't ask ourselves fun questions because, um, like in this case, I'd have to be like, um, Robbie, my next question is What is an industry cluster? And which one would I want to be? We got a little out of order there huh? See, my, my go to is if you had a boat, what would your boat be named?
1: She just flung that out of nowhere.
2: Whiskey.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All purpose answer. I KT? Like it.
1: You've asked me this before, and you know I I still can't come up with a great answer. Okay, you an avid listener, me that to...
0: my hashtag I think would be the name of my boat, which is that there's no time no to time lose. to lose. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. Well, Robbie, let's get back to talking about your really important work. I want to talk about um, one of the first, like a, a initial report that you released called "Changing Coast: Evolving Coastal Economy: The Water Management Cluster in Southeast Louisiana in Retrospect." and prospect.
1: You could have been that cluster, Simone.
0: Yes, that's a cluster, yes. Tell us about that report and what it examined.
2: So we began by talking about with uh, some of the issues with defining the water management economy. It's really hard to do, and because it's an emerging industry, uh, the reality is that it's not well captured by the typical data sources that people like me tend to look at. So I'm not going to bore y'all with the details behind that. You're welcome to read the report if you want the details. Uh, like oh, I s-
0: look at him. <laughs> you can read the report. How about that? That's, <laughs> read it That's yourself. That is salesmanship. <laughs> I, I
2: think the more important part is that we looked at employment trends, like I said, after uh, the the 2005 hurricanes and the 2010 deep water horizon and recession. And we found that information about the construction industry, it's quite remarkable amount of industrial concentration. But we also found that some of our other industries, some of the ones that are involved with designing and planning coastal investments, uh, we have strong employment. For example, engineering is 10,000 jobs also, Hmm. but it just hasn't grown at the same level as the construction jobs. So we talked about that a little bit, and we also talked uh, at a general level about the forces that uh, contribute to strong regional economies and strong industry clusters. Those main forces are sharing resources, especially labor markets. You want to have skilled workers. Uh, Opportunities to match businesses and workers to better opportunities, to increase the productivity of our businesses and workers. And uh, the process of learning, and by that I mean the acquisition of special skills and the way that proximity promotes innovation in different areas of the economy.
0: It's pretty impressive. So how does that get you to your other
2: report? Uh, So the other report was, um, took kind of a broader. Like, I guess, how are they linked? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, So that report is very specific to the water management economy uh, from a perspective of that's a one industry cluster, that's one portion of our economy, and one that we wanna grow because it's important to environmental change and to our economy. But the other report uh, steps back and looks at the changes that are underway in the economy more broadly with a focus on how they affect uh, coastal communities in particular.
0: So, like, w- what comes after that, right? Like, what are you interested in getting into next?
2: Um, I think we're our, our next goal is to build on this research that we have so far. There's a variety of economic changes that uh, that do affect the capacity of our communities to adapt to coastal change. So we want to better understand those. Um, And then as it pertains to developing regional expertise in the water management economy, I think we want to get to a finer grain than maybe we can get from just employment data on what kind of expertise exists in the region, how can we further develop it, how can that affect opportunities uh, both locally and to benefit from all the other coastal investment that will be happening in other parts of the country. Uh, 10 years down the line, 15 years down the line, because this is a long run play. So I think we need to understand it from a long run perspective. That's a
0: good way to say that.
1: So in thinking of that long run aspect, Robbie, and thinking about the water management sector, why is it so important that Louisiana make investments in workforce development and training so that we're ready, that we have a workforce that's available to meet these challenges?
2: Yeah, so I think that uh, there's a short run and a long run answer to that question. In the short run, we want our businesses and our workers to be capturing the benefits of this investment. Um, It makes these uh, projects more efficient and more effective and more innovative when we've invested in our workforce. In the long run, and this is why it's important, I think that we um, educate our kids about coastal issues, that we talk about how coastal issues affect different sectors on shows like this one, uh, because we want uh, coastal issues to cross pollinate in different areas of expertise in different parts of our workforce. Uh, There's a tendency to have silos of expertise, as you know, um, but we want to be good at the science, at the planning and at the construction and at the adaptation. So I think it's forging those connections across different areas that will pay off in the long run.
1: So you're finding this is an area where Louisiana can really be a leader and maybe take this expertise? beyond?
2: Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, in in a lot of ways, we're ahead of the game here because of the Coastal Master Plan and because of the resources that are in place. But in the long run, that'll pay off down the line if we're able to uh, capture the benefits of those investments today.
0: So, Robbie, uh, tell folks where they can find all this information, too, since you You're telling them they have to go read the report. (laughs) You (laughs) talked about the data center and having a great website and all that kind of stuff. So tell us, remind us everywhere where you can find all that information. Yeah,
2: so the website is datacenterresearch.org. And you can find a lot of information on greater (laughs) New Orleans and southeast Louisiana. And you can find the two reports that I mentioned today
0: and we also mentioned that you're possibly be presenting this again in the future a couple times.
2: Yeah, we've uh, I think we've already presented it a couple times and we've got at least three or four more lined up for the coming weeks and months.
0: What are what are questions people usually ask you after this? Like after you present, right? Like what are some of the kind of FAQs they give you?
2: That's a a good one. I think we get a lot of questions that are about the oil industry Mm -hmm. and the fishing industry because that's obviously very relevant to coastal areas and how their economies are changing. Um, I think we get a lot of anecdotal questions about whether it is local businesses and local workers that are taking advantage of opportunities Mm -hmm. uh, in water management or in oil and gas. Uh, Unfortunately, it's really difficult to answer those questions with the kind of off-the-shelf data that we have access to. But I think that people are generally pretty keyed into a lot of these issues, and it's uh, interesting to see how the data complements those conversations.
0: So I guess that leads me to another question. It's like, what, what are some barriers to you getting information, right? Is it is it you processing it, or is it you acquiring it? Like, what, what are your challenges there?
2: Uh, you know, th- this is a common issue for uh emerging sectors of the economy, mm-hmm. they just aren't very well captured with the categories that we use to understand what's going on. Um, hopefully that'll change as we go into the future. Uh, some of the other barriers are it's um it's hard to get disaggregated data on very specific things. Mm-hmm. So it's something we're really interested in and the Coastal Index has done a good job of publishing previously is contracting that's available from the Army Corps of Engineers and the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority so you can find some of that some of that data in our publications as well
0: Yeah, that's interesting because I guess in some ways some of they feel like some of that information is proprietary, right, to a business and what what you do, how many people you employ or, you know, how how you, you know. That's exactly why it's restricted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. One more time, remind people where they can find all the information. And this is the Coastal Index. These are all the different reports.
2: Yeah, it's all on our website, datacenterresearch.org. If you click on reports, you'll find everything there under Coastal.
0: Well, thank you for being with us, Robbie. It was great to have you. Thanks, Robbie.
2: Thank you, guys.
0: Um, so, don't forget, you can find all that information where Robbie described. Uh, we'll be back right after the break with Dr. Lauren Scott talking more about the economics of coastal restoration. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Delta Dispatches. I'm Simone Laws with Restore or Retreat. And I'm Kristen Trots, not Jacques Hebert. I'm with the Walton <laughs> Family Foundation. <laughs> Welcome back to Delta Dispatches. We're talking about the economics of coastal restoration. I feel like our next guest probably doesn't need a lot of introduction, um, but I'm gonna go ahead and do it anyway. Uh, Dr. Lauren Scott is the president and founder of Dr. Lauren Scott and Associates, a 35-year-old firm that provides economic consulting and public speaking services for a wide range of clients. Consulting activities include impact studies work forecasting services, analysis of policy proposals, and general economic analysis. And he was recently tapped to get into the coastal debate. So welcome to Delta Dispatches, Dr. Scott.
3: Well, how are y'all doing? How y'all are, I guess is what I should (laughs) say, right? It's
0: such a familiar voice. Can I call you, Lauren?
3: You may, indeed.
0: Great. Great. So you got you got pulled into the coastal world here, right? Welcome. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, it was a lot of fun actually, and we got to use tools that we use in a lot of different areas on this particular problem. So it was a, it was a fun project to work
0: on. Well, we want to we want to get to that most certainly, but this is this is what you do, right? I mean, you had an extensive career working in, in economics. So why, for our listeners that may not ha- know your work specifically, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been doing?
3: Well, I, of course, I came to LSU back when the earth's crust was just cooling off <laughs> and um, spent about 30 years in the economics department at LSU and kind of rose through the ranks there up to a uh, the preeminent Mac Miranda Dow Chair of Economics, and was the chairman of the Economics Department for about thirteen years, and then um, I retired in ninety eight, and uh, I've had this consulting firm since the eighties, and uh, we do um, we do all kinds of stuff. What we primarily do is what we did uh, for the EDF. We do economic impact studies uh, when somebody comes along and say, builds a new plant, or or maybe a plant goes away. Uh, we look at the economic impact of that activity um, on the state and in smaller areas, like in the case of this particular project, the economic impact of Plaquemine Parish.
0: Well, I don't want you to—I don't want you to sell yourself short. When you were there, the economic department's ranking at LSU over 3,000 economic departments rose from 101 to 38th. That's pretty impressive.
3: Well, we had a well, we had a great dean and we had a great provost. And our department just put together a plan, and we worked off of a plan, just like you guys are working off a plan. If you, if you come in, uh, I sometimes tell people that I can I can out uh, I can shoot better than the uh, very best archer, uh, Olympic-style archer, if you take the archer and put a blindfold on him and spin him around, round and round, he doesn't know where he's going. And so what are the things, but if you've got a plan, you got something you're aiming at, then that really makes a lot of difference. And we had we had a plan. We convinced our dean, we convinced our provost of this, and we got great support from them back during really one of the most difficult time periods in Louisiana, the, the 80s. And uh, by golly, uh, we were able to hire some really great folks in the economics department, and as a result, our rankings rose dramatically.
0: I was actually just about to ask you, like, I mean, we could probably do a whole show over the experience of, of what it was like being at LSU over that time period, mm-hmm. right, and how LSU changed. But um, do you miss being in the classroom? Do you miss that part? Uh, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's all right, Lauren. Pause <laughs> is all we needed. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, kind of. Let's don't miss. I mean, first of all, I miss the students so I had the correct time. Teaching and I love teaching, and uh, I was fortunate enough to get about seven awards for teaching at LSU when I was there. So that was, a, that was a fun thing. And I really enjoyed my work there. I don't really enjoy committee <laughs> I don't enjoy faculty meetings, I don't enjoy more committee meetings. So I've, I've, I've loved the absence of that in my professional life now. But you know, I get my teaching now, I get my teaching thrills from the public speaking. I get around 50 speeches a year across the country, as it turns out. And um, and I, it's, it's just fun taking a sometimes difficult subject like economics and trying to make it interesting, uh, trying to leave people with some meat. And at the same time, I, I actually use a lot of humor in my talks, and so just have a good time with folks.
1: Well, Lauren, our, our- previous guest was Dr. Robbie Habins from the, the data center and we asked him what, what young Robbie thought about and, and energized him and brought him towards economics and we wanted to ask you the same question. What what first got you interested in economics?
3: Well it's embarrassing. It was embarrassing. I was, a I was girlfriend uh, in, I was I was in, I was in, I was in freshman orientation uh, back at a at a community college in my very first year out of high school and I was sitting next to a guy named Tommy Ziegler and I said Tommy, what are you gonna do? And he said, I think I'm gonna become an economist and I said, Well that sounds
0: good <laughs> I <laughs> thought a girlfriend, but thing, different kind of peer thing. pressure. That's
3: how life, life plans <laughs> sometimes work out. I would like to tell you that again I, but I was I was kinda of I was I was that guy with a blindfold on was being spinning around, wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And it turned out to be just a lot of fun, so but I've always enjoyed being an economist.
0: So I just want to touch on one more thing before we get coastal. But you were uh-huh. the co-developer of Louisiana Econ- Econometric Econometric Econometric. Econometric. Econometric.
1: Okay, Econometric
0: okay, yeah. yeah Thanks, couple. Simone. Sound it out. Uh-huh. A model, and that model is used for providing annual forecasts of Louisiana economy, which are released each fall. Uh-huh. How? How? Like. Tell us about that. Like, how did well, you develop? Can you believe there. they use it all the time? Like- yeah, well, we
3: uh, actually, we, this is uh, if about 127 pages long. If you want to know what's going on in the state, it's a really great document to get because we not only tell you what has been happening, say, since 1980 and all the different areas of the state, all, there are nine different metropolitan areas of the state, and we talk about each one. We've been doing this for, I think this is our 39th. Uh, edition that came out, so we've been doing this for a long time, and uh, we, we um, came out with our, uh, this our forecast for 2020 and 2021 about three weeks ago, and when we do that, we make presentations uh, all around the state. We go all around the state talking to people about what's going on out there. We have some great sponsors that enable us to do that, and uh, we just talk about what's expected to happen. And the primary way we do this, by the way is we don't sit in our, you know, our little ivory tower offices and look at data. We do do that. But we also make about 200 phone calls around the state. We're talking to all kinds of businesses. We talk to all the economic developers, like down in New Orleans, where you have a great uh, guy, Michael Heck, who heads up GNO Inc., and, and then economic developers all across the New Orleans and the whole state area. We talk to businesses, We we're very fortunate we've been doing this for 38 years. And so businesses like Boise, Bollinger, Shipyard will answer the phone and talk to us about what's going on with Chevrolet, Chevron, Shell. You know, all these companies that are big players in the state will actually answer our questions and, and our calls, and they are extremely helpful in nice, us. Uh, being able to kind of get a, a good crystal ball view of what's expected to happen over the next couple of years.
1: Lauren, we want to go coastal, as, as Simone said, and <laughs> shift gears to this report. You've uh-huh. recently released a report entitled, a, a small pithy title, the, the Economic Impact of Constructing the mid barataria and mid breton Sediment Diversion Projects. Can you tell mm-hmm. us about what this report analyzes?
3: Yeah, well, what, what we do, and this is, this is common, this is what we do in all these impact studies, and we do about 10 of these a year. Or so, But what we do is we look at how much money, how much new money is going to be injected into an area uh, over a certain time period. In this particular case, these two sediment diversion projects, the mid area and the Mid-Bretton, will be built over about a seven-year period running from 2021 through 2027. And what we do is we look at how much money is going to be injected each year into the economy. And in this particular case, over this seven-year time period, we're talking about a lot of money. We're talking about $1.85 billion that it's going to take to build these two structures. So that is a lot of money that just suddenly coming out of nowhere and being injected in specifically into the Plaquemine Parish economy. And so if you kind of think of the Plaquemine Parish economy being like this big economic pond, we're going to drop a rock into that pond, and it's called the spending on the sediment diversity. It's, it's a rock of $1.5 billion. So it's a big rock.
1: That's a, so a boulder. When the
3: pond, <laughs> yeah, When it hits the pond, then it creates ripple effects out to the edge of the pond. For example, uh, the people who are working building it are going to receive the, the paycheck. They're then going to go down and spend that paycheck at the uh, Uh, grocery stores and automobile dealerships and restaurants and things like that, which creates brand new income for them. They in turn will spend their money at car dealerships and restaurants and and, uh, car dealerships, etc. It's what economists refer to as the uh, multiplier effect. If if you like, it's the ripple effect of all that spending. And so what we're doing is we have a tool for measuring that so we can – Use this tool to figure out what the impact is going to be of all this spending on business sales and household earnings, uh, jobs, you know, for a local government collects tax collections and state government tax collections for that matter.
0: So, um, Dr. Scott, we're up against a break. We want you to stick with us one more time because we want to get into the weeds a little bit more. Um, but sure. as a reminder, uh, folks can access the full report at org slash report all together. And we'll be right back with Dr. Scott after the break. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. Welcome back to Delta Dispatches. You're listening on WGSO 990. We're also on Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, and the American Shoreline Broadcast Network, Podcast Network. I'm Samoma Laws with Restore or Retreat. I'm Kristen Trotz with the Walton Family Foundation. And I have the Coastal Voice of the Week. This week's Coastal Voice is from Catherine in New Orleans. Our coast holds so much significance in terms of culture, food, protection, and more. I've lived in South Louisiana my whole life, and I never want to leave this unique land I call home. It's our coast, it's our future, and we need to fight for it. Well said, well said. Um, Welcome back to the show, Dr. Lauren Scott. Um, We were talking about the economics of coastal restoration and protection, um, but we do a fun thing on the show uh, of our guest, Dr. Scott, is we like to ask you a fun question so we get to know a little bit about you. You were at LSU so long, there's no way that you could have ignored their sports. Um, So what LSU sport is your favorite?
3: Oh, well, football. Uh, but by far, oh yeah, oh yeah. My, it's, it's kind of interesting you'd ask that because uh, uh, one of the things, one of the projects we did one time was to look at the economic impact of the athletic department.
0: Oh, I true. bet. I, really always lots of questions just, about that, right? When oh, when my gosh. things oh, my get gosh, built or things get spent, there's always lots of yeah. questions about that. Oh
3: yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. And whether a coach is worth eight million bucks? You know, yeah. Right. That's always an interesting question. That's the so salary we, of the women's gymnastics,
1: yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I was, I was actually... was a season ticket holder. The, I on. was going
0: to say, this is the one question that I'll answer myself. Um, my husband is obviously a huge football fan. Um, huh. But we are season ticket holders for LSU women's gymnastics. And oh, they man. are unbelievable. They Ten, are unbelievable. 10,000 people. Your coach, just, uh,
3: your coach has yeah. done something amazing. I <laughs> mean...
0: They she's sell the, out. They s-
3: Matter of fact, she's the longest uh, uh, serving um- I coach think like
0: 40 that, something yeah. years uh, though, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I think, yes. Yeah, He's she's amazing coach, man. You
0: it's sold great. out um P-Mac, which is their basketball arena. Sold out. Like mm-hmm. boys men's bas- boys men. Men's basketball doesn't yeah. even sell out, right? I mean, no, and no,
3: no, 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 no,
0: no, no. they do they do walk up songs. There's pyrotechnics, super fun, <laughs> and my kids <laughs> absolutely love it. So, uh we'll be oh, back yeah. there on Friday nights and in, in the early winter and the spring. And man, they crank out some good athletes. Too. But Blade now, is,
3: blade is golly
0: now golly. that we now that we got LSU sports out the way, uh, go Colonels, yeah. by the way. um we'll yeah. uh, we want to talk to Dr. Lawrence Scott. Dr. Lawrence <laughs> <Lauren. laughs> yeah. Scott about the economic impact of t- constructing these sediment diversion projects that we mm. always talk about. As a reminder, <clears throat> folks can access this report at mississippi diversionconstructionreport dot org slash diversion construction report. Let's get into the weeds a little bit. Dr. Scott, can you talk to us a little bit about the, the impact of
1: constructing these diversions within the parishes specifically? Can you tell us, within Plaquemines Parish, what did you find the impact would be?
3: Well, as you can imagine, if you take $1.85 billion and pop it into this area over a seven-year time, that's an awful lot of money. And so what we do is we put this information in something called an input-output table, and the input-output table enables us to estimate the impact on a, about four different items, and in, in in one of the items is business sales. Uh, we estimate that there's going to be over, almost $2.3 billion in new sales that will show up at firms in the Blackman Parish area. That's a huge number That's a us. lot. Uh, and then, of course, some of that sales money is going to end up in terms of new earnings uh, for people who live in Blackman Parish, and we estimate that number is about 158 million dollars in new earnings to give you an idea how much of that is that's about equal to the earnings of everybody who works in the fabricated metals and machine manufacturing sector of the plaquemine paris economy so you're essentially recreating those two sectors all over again in terms of income generated and then almost 400 jobs on the average uh, over this seven year time period. there's actually going to be one year in which which is the year of the biggest amount of spending which is 2023 in which 687 jobs will be supported. but again to give people an idea that that, that 400 job number uh, which is on the average over the seven year time period that's about equal to the total number of people employed in the health and social services sector in all of plamont Perry. so it's, it's a lot. And then finally, we looked at the impact on local uh, tax collections by. I was, I was
0: just about to ask you about that, right? Yeah. That, that comes back to about, you, right?
3: Yeah, and that turns out to be about seven point two million, which is about the amount that they collect for their library fund. Wow. So you've essentially doubled doubled the amount that would be coming into the library fund over this time period. So it is, and it's, uh, it's quite a very large impact, and uh, and, uh, and and the Parish will be again. The number should not be surprising, given the size of the number. I mean, to have $1.85 billion pumped into your economy is, well, that would usually be an announcement that's above the fold on the front page of this. <laughs> it's a big number.
0: Good point. That's a good point. But but also, like, you know, Plaquemines is, is relatively small population-wise, right? I mean, this they're going to have to pull people, and this will impact regionally as well. I mean, this... This goes mm-hmm. to the broader GNO Inc. area, right?
3: Right, and as, as a matter of fact, that's what we did. We increased the size of the pond, if you like, uh, to include um, uh, St. Bernard, uh, Orleans, and Jefferson parishes. You know what is the impact as you go out, and the reason this is important is because um, you know Parish. These people are going to be earning lots of money from building this. But some of that money is going to be – clearly some of that money is going to be spent outside the parish because there's not a lot of big uh, retail, estate, like malls and things like that in Black Parish. There are in these other parishes. So what we did is we increased the size of the pond, of this rock. And it, and, and when you increase the size of the pond, the ripples go further, so the impacts go further. And so in the case that this is sales – the business sales number jumps up to $3.1 billion in new sales at businesses.
0: Wait, Lauren, you said billion? Period. Did you say billion?
3: Billion, yes. With the a B, B? word. Well, which, which makes sense if you're going to be pumping $1.8 billion in. You know, it's, and once, you know, you think about the ripple effect of that. It's $3.1 uh, billion is, is not well, a wild exaggeration. It's, that fits right in with what we find in other studies we've done. And then the interesting thing is that the amount of new earnings created uh, for people in this four parish area over this seven year time period turns out to be over $800 million, over four fifths of a billion dollars. So it is, this is a really nice injection for this area. And then it supports about 200, uh, excuse me, 2,255 jobs on the average. So it is uh this is this is really big. Now the other thing we did was to estimate the impact of this thing uh all this spending on the state budget. And it turns out that over this 7-year time period, uh it will generate almost 57 million dollars new monies uh for the state treasury to and to give people a reference point, that would be enough money to support the entire lieutenant governor's office. Over that seven-year time period, so uh, again, it, it's nice uh, th- this getting this money coming from someplace else and being pumped into this economy. There's so much of it. 1.85 billion is a lot of money, and not surprisingly, it's going to have a very significant impact uh, on the economy of these two areas.
0: I love, I love the analysis about the state level too. It's like getting a rebate. Right? No, yeah, <laughs> getting right, some money right, back. Right,
3: <laughs> right, right. I mean, you know, if you get that amount of money, that frees up $7 bucks a year, essentially, plus more than about $8 million a year plus to be spent on something else. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there who be hungry for that $8 bucks.
1: Well, it sounds like that, that opens up a lot of opportunities. And I'm, I'm wondering if there are things that local businesses and governments can do to prepare themselves for these opportunities.
3: Well, not really. I mean, the good news about the way this works is this just going to happen naturally. Uh, they're just going to suddenly see their cash registers ringing more often. Uh, they're going to see the need to hire people, uh, hire additional people, and those additional people are going to, they're going to have to write a ch- paycheck out for them, and they're going to end up spending that money, which means the monies are going to just show up in sales tax collections and new property tax collections for local governments. So the nice thing is you don't really have to necessarily get ready for it It's just going to be one of those pleasant things that's just going to happen, and that's the good news. For
0: this Well, I think uh, our friend Steve Cochran said it well that these projects not only help us defend our parish and our region against the worst impacts of flooding, they will provide mm-hmm. real economic opportunities for businesses and real jobs for residents. Louisiana mm-hmm. is taking its biggest challenge and turning it into jobs and economic opportunities. So
3: well, yeah, that's right. I mean because we didn't we didn't even look at the economic impact or the, the the positive economic impact. Of restoring the coast this is just the impact of spending the money on building these two structures so there's there's other stuff that's going to happen to be very good as well well
0: exciting excellent excellent information i'm so glad that you were on with us to share dr scott really important um to think about things a little differently right um, but but in a positive manner so thank you for joining us uh, Dr. Scott um, that's a wrap for us that was quick it just flew by. It, flew by it just you're flew having by fun. when you have when you have great guests that that have great information that makes it easy to talk it about it goes to show you there's no time to lose no time to lose no time to lose jock bear we miss you come back home to us don't be a robbie and move out to california a couple times and come back because you know he's been out there he's once been out there. we're gonna drag him back we're gonna drag him back you're listening to delta dispatches on wgso 990 we'll be back next week National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nw.